Pod Clubhouse. Sometimes I wonder what to say to you now in the soft afternoon air as you hold. Hey everyone, this is Aisha with Pod Clubhouse and welcome back to the podcast of the Ancient Dawn, a Lovecraft Country podcast. And wow, we are back for episode nine with Sean and Ashley. How are you guys doing? Good. Doing great. Awesome. I'm so glad you guys could make it. As usual, we just can't wait to get to discussing the episode. And we are just like chomping at the bit to talk about it. And so I'm so glad you guys are here to talk about it. Episode nine is called Rewind 1921. And wow, what a year that was. Yeah, the, the year of the Tulsa race massacre, the Tulsa race riot, and what we consider to be Black Wall Street. We have, we have sort of been building up to this. Of course, we, we have been building up to this. And I think uh, in previous episodes, this has sort of been foreshadowed. And we've already predicted that we would end up here. So it, it, I was like, okay, this is our Tulsa episode. This is when we get to sort of see it through the lens of Lovecraft Country. So I was really excited to get into the relationships and the, the generational issues uh, based on the, the characters that we've come to really enjoy seeing and also sadly kind of reliving this, this awful day and moment in history. Like you said, as um, the episodes progressed, we were like, we have to go to Tulsa, right? We we're yeah. going to go to Tulsa. Right, right, um, right. You know, the foreshadowing of Tick's family being it from Tulsa and all of the background that Montrose was providing us throughout the episode. So now we're here. Before we jump into Tulsa, the city itself, we want to start with how the episode began. And that's with little Miss D that Mm -hmm. has been transformed into one of the Piccaninny girls. Right, right. We kind of knew that was going to happen because, you know, it ended, episode eight ended with that cliffhanger, I guess you want to call it, of her being stabbed in the arm multiple times. And so that was... It was very, very shocking to see her actually transform into that being at that point, because I was like, oh my goodness, you know, we're not going to lose her over this, right? Right. Yeah. Later on, after watching episode eight, I, I realized that I, I, I overlooked that this is one of the characters from um, Uncle Tom's Cabin. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what, is it Topsy and Mopsy or Topsy Pop- and Bop- Bopsy? Yeah. Topsy and Bobsy, yeah. Topsy right. and Bobsy. So here we have, you know, D, whose arm, oh my God, it was grotesque. And yeah. oh my goodness, it was like the dead arm. <laughs> and it reminded me of something in, in, from somewhere from another film or or like uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe an Edgar Allan Poe story or something where there's like this limb that becomes dead or infected and in it, I don't know. But anywho, we have, you know, her becoming one of these creatures and right. only the blood of her closest relative can save her. It's so, <laughs> it's so like fantastic um, the way it all plays out. Here's what I'm thinking is like, last time I asked you guys, do you trust Christina? And here we go. We all said, no, we don't trust Christina. I, did, I, I don't. knew for some, I knew at some point that she was going to come in and do something good I just yeah. had a feeling, you know what I mean? And so I remember being, us talking about that. And yeah, yeah, being the one person that can help 
<laughs> this white witch, as mantras put it. Wow. <laughs> I'm like laughing so hard. But I mean, look, that white witch is the one who's going to speak for that. <laughs> but she still attracted her pound of flesh. True. She did get Atticus to agree to go with her back to Massachusetts, back to the autumnal equinox. Yes. So she did get her pound of flesh. Claims it was just an opportunity that presented itself. She didn't get it yet. Well, she asked for it. She got yes. a treatment for it. Let's put yeah. it that way. She yeah. took. She sh- shot her shot, so to speak. Right. That is uh, an interesting lead up. Obviously, all that is building up to the main part of this episode. Yeah, but it's here's the deal. She is the one that's going to come in as this savior for D, right? But it's only temporary. Right. So, but that whole plot line leads us, like you said, the blood of the closest relative, Ashley. Uh-huh. So that le- leads us to have to have the whole conversation, the uncomfortable conversation that Atticus has with his father, unquote, quote unquote father, Montrose, about uh-huh. finding out the truth. You may not be my son, which we all have been watching this whole time. Mm-hmm. And now finally Tick is hearing the truth. Can we just give Hippolyta the award for the worst timing of entering a scene? Oh my God. <laughs> Absolute worst. If she had been shown up like five minutes earlier, they wouldn't even have had to have that conversation. But true. Of course, as soon as that comes to light and golly i'll tell you the sins of the father you you really see how montrose and atticus are struggling with all these epiphanies and all these realizations yeah Yeah. things coming to light and how what a tragic life montrose has lived which will be very much echoed when they when we get into the meat of this story but Mm -hmm. that man has had a tragic existence he yes, has had a long line of sacrifices in his life. Right. That's a direct quote from him later in the episode. We'll get to that. Well, we can talk about it now. I just but, feel like you're right. I mean, poor Montrose, he was not only whooped daily as a child for being himself, which now we see that his father knew or had an inkling of who he truly was and basically tried to beat it out of him than trying to live a life a lie for god knows how many years you know all those years so i just it makes you really fall in love with that character and oh big time yeah and i i have to give it up for for michael k williams the the actor who plays montrose amazing in this particular episode i mean the moment when that portal opens up and you see his face Mm -hmm. you just know there tick you know tick jumps in immediately letty jumps in immediately and then suddenly it's like oh shit like this is more than what meets the eye like this is more than just okay we're just gonna jump back into pat into the past and grab the book and go no this is my life this is my history this is like right. a moment in time for me and to relive it is terrifying and so, so to see the look on his face i Painful. mean he it was magical watching michael k williams in that role in, the, in this episode i was like oh my goodness he's he's fantastic as an actor you can see the pain. You can see and feel the inner struggle that he's having watching his father beat him, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and knowing the reasons why, knowing that he can't do anything to stop it and being yeah. and feeling helpless all over again. Yeah. He's being re-traumatized in that moment. Like, I was helpless back then and I'm helpless now. I can't right. change it. I felt every piece of that. Every piece of that. Fantastic well, acting. Yeah. Think about it, though. If you mm-hmm. think of the worst day of your entire life. Yes. Imagine having to go back, literally, 
Ugh. Go back in time and relive watch it. it. Right. And watch exactly. it happen all over again. Exactly. That would destroy people. That, there's so many people who be destroyed by that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then to watch Tick really he goes through this this metamorphosis in this episode. I don't know if you guys picked up on that subtlety, but in the beginning he says, After this, after we save D, we're done. Like you're canceled. And then throughout the episode, he begins to see himself in his father mm-hmm. through witnessing what happened and being there and able to bear witness to what took place in Montrose's life when he was a young man, learning his father's story in a whole new way and then becoming more and more compassionate mm-hmm. throughout the episode. Like there's this transformation that happens in Atticus until we get to the end where he's saving his own dad, you know? So I just thought that was pretty amazing and, and brilliant. Well done on the part of the creators of the show, but also the human factor is really picked up well in this episode. Yeah. Oh, coming full mm-hmm. circle. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Woo. I mean, you know, I think if Atticus hadn't, had that react i mean i think they gave him the perfect reaction to it like Mm -hmm. i just couldn't imagine him not understanding after seeing what his father had endured and then when he did it just it solidified for me is like these two characters are i mean they're one they're acting their asses off oh big time big time the fact that they just the whole situation was just it, it was just written perfectly. And so I yeah. agree with you completely, completely. And Jonathan Jonathan Majors with his acting I, we talked about this earlier, but the face acting that he does yes. is powerful. Yeah. Um I mean I've I the jawline and the, the lips pursing and the moments where he barely opens his mouth to speak, but you feel everything that he's saying. It's crazy. I mean I, I'm I've just been really mesmerized by that and him as Atticus in the show overall. So this episode really highlighted that well with those two particular characters. I have a bit of a deeper perspective on that. I mean, I agree with everything you said, Ashley. And, and okay, yeah. But as the son of a man uh-huh. who struggled with his own father and seeing that a lot of what my dad... My, my dad is a good man, but he was a difficult father at times and uh-huh. part of that stemmed from the fact that his father my grandfather was a very tough man I mean, when i saw montrose's father beating him i was it actually made me think of my own grandfather he wow was a, he was a hard man i mean granted it was he grew up in a hard time he grew up during the he grew up during the depression he his life was rough and so he was very much that you know, men are tough and men don't cry and suck right. it up. And I'm a whoop yeah. boy and all that stuff. And that was him. Yeah. He, he was a product of his time. Okay. But he was tough on my father who was the youngest of two. And so my father struggled with a lot of things and he and I have had a difficult relationship at times because of that. So that really hit home for me mm. that and seeing the sins of the father visited upon the son, so to speak. And Atticus seeing that Montrose was treated pretty much the same way that he was treated as a child. And that Mm -hmm. that cycle of abuse just kept, you know, it went forward. And so I'm not going to say I was abused, but we had difficult moments. Mm -hmm. So see that really hit me kind of deep down in that place that doesn't get hit too often. So that, that I struggled with a little bit. Well, that, I, that got me emotional watching this episode. I, and I, I feel like Sean is Sean can, has a reaction that a lot of people, mm-hmm. a lot of 
sons probably mm -hmm. can relate to. You know what Correct. I mean? Right. With their own fathers. It's not a it's not a, a situation on your part that it's shocked that you're alone on this. I'm sure there are plenty of people that can also relate to it. Oh, and, and that's the yeah. beauty of that, you know, right. the show and how they react to it. There's something about black fatherhood in this episode that comes through that I can't personally relate to. It's not for me. Exactly. You know, so it's it, I'm really glad that Sean shared that personal experience because that's something about manhood, fatherhood that resonates universally, but then in particular, Black fatherhood. And there's a moment in time, though, for all of us, I think, and, and, and Aisha, you can probably, all of us can probably relate to this, where we start to see our parents as people and right. not just our parents. You know, like, oh, wow, you suffered as a child as well. And so oh. it makes sense why you were a terrible dad to me. Right. So it's, it, it goes back to Tick being able to relate on a more human level with his father in this moment. Whereas before it was based on just the sheer rage of, we just have to get this done because I'm done with you. And you know, you've already ruined so much. I'm sick of it. And, and all of that. So now he's really able to empathize with Montrose in a way that he wasn't able to do before. As they go back to Tulsa for the book, so the whole point of them making this trip is obviously to get the book of names. Mm -hmm. And they need the book of names so they can help Dee because this temporary spell that Christina's put on her is, like I said, temporary. And it's only going to last, what, 24 hours? 24 hours, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then she'll go back to the way she was because old Captain... Uh, spare parts dies. <laughs> Captain Spare Parts. I love it. Captain Spare Parts dies in the damn closet. So can uh, we talk about wait, can we talk about Captain Spare Parts? Yes, you guys I help me understand because that is such a confusing moment for me. Somebody help it was. me. Help so, me understand. So look at it this way. So you had Hiram Epstein carving up black folks in his basement. Right. And attaching different body parts and doing all sorts of horrific, horrendous Nazi level style shit yes. uh, to black folks. And then you look at, I'm, I'm going to call him Captain Spare Parts because I, I love that. That's hilarious. That's, but yes. you look at him and, and, you know, remember I said in that episode, I don't know if it was three or four, but I said, hey, his chest looks like it's a different color. Something weird's going yes. on. Yes. And so then you realize, oh, so they're capturing black folks all over Chicago and they're cutting them up as replacement parts for him because he's like basically a human walking Frankenstein monster. And wow. they're putting him on spare parts. Like as he gets injured, uh, presumably as he gets injured, they mm -hmm. replace the injured part with the same body part from a dead man. And presumably it sounds like multiple dead black men. And that's mm -hmm. why his chest looked like it was a different color because it literally was. And so I think what happened here is, this is my theory, and y'all feel free to disagree if, if that's how you feel. But so he was attacked by the Shogoth last, at the end of last episode, right? Mm -hmm. He was impaled by that thing. I mean, we all kind of saw that. It kind of attacked him in the chest. Now, we all know that creature was summoned by magic. And I think what happened here is this was finally an injury that he received that he could not ward off. It was magically... Induced. Induced. Thank you. Yeah. Uh -huh. Magically induced. And so no amount of additional spare parts 
that that surgeon could attach oh, to him I see. I see. would 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 take because the magic would continue the the magic would burn through the new skin the new ah and that that's makes why, sense that's why his nipples kept popping off oh my god the nipples I mean oh, so gross I think that is why that didn't work and so finally he bled out and he died. And, you know, good riddance to Captain Spare Parts. And obviously, William, <laughs> William Stina, as I think they're calling him slash her now. William uh, Stina. We're happy, <laughs> happy to see him go. So his mortal, uh, Christina's mortal enemy. So she was more than happy to see him go. Wow. Lovely, and, lovely. But yeah, that's my take on it. That helps a lot because I was really trying to connect the dots there, y'all. And I was like, this isn't, this is not hitting for me. For some reason, I'm not able to make the connection. So thank you, Sean, for that explanation. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> Dan, is he dead though? Or we don't really right. know. I guess we just assume. I think he's dead. No, okay. I think he's dead. Yeah, yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like, like that, that character is over. We're not going to see yeah. him unless it's a flashback or okay. something. Right, right. So now let's go ahead and jump. Back in time to 1921, mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of folks are familiar with what we're about to talk about. Not only has it come to light in recent years, and it's a shame that it took over 80 years for that to happen, yes. but you know, it came up in HBO's The Watchmen, and so obviously we're talking about the Tulsa Race Massacre of 1921, which took place on May 31st and June 1st, when mobs of white residents of Tulsa most of them backed by the city officials and the police department, attacked the black residents and businesses of the Greenwood District of Tulsa. It has been called the single worst incident of racial violence in American history. It destroyed 35 square blocks of what was at that time the wealthiest black community in the United States, known as Black Wall Street. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the shameful part. Obviously, what happened was shameful. Here's the shameful part. It was erased from American history until 2001, when the state of Oklahoma finally acknowledged what happened and passed a law to agree to pay reparations and Mm -hmm. scholarships for the descendants of those who were killed in 1921 and finally built a memorial park in that district and began the process of economic revitalization in 2010. And now- Here's one last fact that is going to blow your minds because it blew mine. Yep. The Tulsa Race Massacre of 1921 was not included in the state of Oklahoma's history curriculum until this year. 2020. Nine years later. It's incredible. Blows my mind. Goddamn shame. Gross. It's gross. I mean. Disgusting, right? Yeah. Yeah. 20. Yeah. The state of Oklahoma, you're telling me the state of Oklahoma did not put this into the history books of their own freaking state until this year. Until yes. this year. Yes. Um, unbelievable. I unbelievable. It, it boggles my mind. It but boggles. so I was not, so I'm not familiar with, is Watchmen a Marvel? No. No, it's okay. DC. Sorry. Actually. Okay. <laughs> sorry. Y'all. Yes. No, no. I know people are cringing it's, right it's now. It's DC. Um, <laughs> So Marvel, sorry, Marvel's sorry, Kenny, if you're listening. Competitor, DC is owned by Warner Media, which also owns AT and T and HBO, so it's all one big happy family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, but this event was a major background setting. Okay, and it really that that helped really bring it to the forefront of people's knowledge. It's the first time 
millions of people had heard of this. This still actually, is not you, that wide. Actually, you referenced this too, right? When you were, you talked about the Watchmen. Yes. Yes. I, I've seen the HBO series okay. and I know a lot about the, the history of the show and the comic and, and the characters themselves and all of okay. that. And okay. yeah, it's, it's a, it's a big part of, of the show. I personally am just now really learning a lot about Tulsa. I knew of it, um, but I didn't know a lot of the details because it's been stricken from history as, in, I, I as it, so like literally just learned about this pretty much this year, sadly. And we are, bl- and we are black women, which is, and we are like, black women. Right. Blows mm-hmm. my mind. That blows yeah. my mind. Right. Yeah. Right. And we're educated black women, you know? Yes. I mean? And I have friends who studied history and, and know a lot about this. That's not my forte. So right. I, I haven't been as familiar, but I know now. And now it's like, oh, wow. It, it puts so much. When you start learning about different parts of history as a black person in this country, it starts putting the timeline in order. It's almost like you're able to visualize the dots connecting and the context for so many of our our societal ills as a country. And this show really does a great job of capturing those moments in time, but while also giving us like this horror backdrop, of course, but really showing with having it be so um, uh, imaginary and Lovecraftian juxtaposed with the, with the, the white supremacist and all the racial tension in the United States really shines a strong light on how insidious white supremacy is in this country. Absolutely. Like it just, it really just brings out the fact that there is nothing more terrifying. There is nothing more horrific than the fact that this is the reality that we live in. It's something that's been rotting this country from the inside out. Out. Yeah. Yes, Sean. Yes. Years. It, yes. This is why we are in the situation we are in now. It's not yep. the only thing, but it's one of the biggest Thanks, things. Yeah. It's like D's arm. It's like right. D's arm, like yeah. rotting right. and the worms and the, the absolute blackness of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to just cut the thing off completely. Mm-hmm. But how do we save the person? You know, how do we save the whole body? <laughs> it's crazy, right. man. It's crazy, well, man. Yeah. Before we even leave that topic, there was a yeah. point at the end of the episode where Madras mm-hmm. is looking out the window and, you know, we're just jumping all over the place. But he's looking out, he's looking out the window and he starts spouting off names of people. Pegleg Taylor in The Last Stand that he took. Mm-hmm. Briar mm-hmm. Steeler Shop. A.C. Jackson. The White Phelps. A couple that helped um, a sanctuary for Blacks. Commodore mm-hmm. Knox. These are all names that are part of history. Mm-hmm. Real um, folks. Real folks that you can all go look <clears throat> up, research for yourself. That's right. And figure out what, the con- what their contributions were to this world, to this city and their specific time that they made their mark so that was very very poignant part for me and i loved yeah that that the writers put that into the show and then it just was so i don't know just the way it was done was just perfect yeah what did did the lady say to hippolyta in the last episode she said say your name do y'all do y'all remember Name yourself. Name yourself. That's, Name it, yourself. That's, it. That's it. Well, it, to me, this was Montrose doing that on behalf of the others. The others wow. Named themselves. Ooh, yeah. He was naming them. He was bringing, he was speaking their names. Oh, to guys, guys, I just 
went to the Say Their Names uh, exhibit today uh-huh. in, uh, in Emancipation Park here in Houston. That came through so powerfully. When you, when you talk about saying, naming someone, what I tried to do when I walked through there today was as sort of a, like, um, like a ritual, but like giving honor to the dead. I, I tried to like say their names like in my, in, to myself, basically, right. as many names as I could. But that's powerful. That that's part of identity and making sure that people are not forgotten. There were some pictures up there today that didn't have names, and that made me really sad to think about. Like, oh, do we know their name and who are they? And so that just when you said that, Sean, that's the first thing that came to mind uh, in terms of Montrose naming these folks uh, in Tulsa. Like you said, Ashley, you go. We all have our ways of dealing with tough Mm -hmm. situations. You know. Yes. funerals or deaths or whatever it is and right you know, right even like as small not even small but as weirdly as it is like when i pass by a car accident for instance mm-hmm. i say a little small prayer in my mind i don't know who those people are right. i don't know anything about those people but i say a little small prayer like hey you know dear, you know dear god just please just protect them protect their family whatever it is mm-hmm. and we move on the little bit of you just saying or speaking their names in your mind or maybe Mm -hmm. a whisper i I can't like explain how like it's so poignant it's so like yeah it for me it comes from an ethic that what i what i base it on is ubuntu which is i am because you are and i think about the connection between all of us how we're, we're interconnected and and martin dr martin luther king talked about how we're all interconnected and so I feel like when we honor our dead, when we acknowledge them by name, there's something powerful in that moment for us as as people and remembering how we're all connected. And so for Montrose to, to sort of name others in that way, he's also naming himself and place yeah. and, and lo- locating himself there amongst his people. Absolutely. And, and there's some healing that takes place there, you know? And, and I think that was a super, like Sean, that was so incredibly awesome that you pointed that out, man. Yeah. That I, I'm just thinking of like, my mind is just really going now with, with the thought of how he named them and Hippolyta realizing like I can name myself and the way she came back y'all, like her, her just stepping into her power. Like I was, listen, I know who I am. I've named myself 200 plus years. I've been traveling in the multiverse. So I got this, like, we're going to be able to, to help D. I was like, man, that's, that is wonderful. Like seeing her in her power. Like that was cool. Well, okay. So let's talk about that. That's our, uh huh. Excuse me. that's our Lovecraftian part of this whole, I mean, yes, part of this parallel universe that, you know, obviously that she was able to summon. Mm-hmm. And it's just funny because, okay, so now that she's already been a part of the multiverse, she's traveled, she's become all of these people that she's named. Yes. She is now no longer herself. Is that what we to believe? Like she's no longer human? She is her best self. I think she is her highest self. Right. So Thank what you. does that mean? Not human. She's reached her potential. Like I said, and you know, when we were talking about episode eight, she has ascended into sort of her highest level of existence. Okay. Right. Uh, and so she can access different energies and in, in, in terms of like her own vibration, like her own level of consciousness and awareness. 
And it's wow. at such a height that she can penetrate all time and space, which is really freaking dope. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. She walked yeah. back into the room and she's like, they're like, what are we going to do? They're like, well, it's going to take six hours to drive there. It'll take three hours for me to fix Oh, she was not playing rap. I mean, she, she was not playing. Up. Right. She dropped that word motherboard, which nobody in 1955 had ever heard of yet. So you knew so, that she's. Oh, she's been and guys. Crazy. Another another show that I thought about while I was watching this, I don't know if you guys saw, Sean, you might know, I don't know, Aisha, if you guys know, number five, what show is that with number five? And there's all the kids and they were superheroes. Umbrella Academy? Yes, Umbrella Academy. Thank you. Umbrella Academy. So if you think about number five coming back from the from the future and he has aged, but he's He's like this old man in a, in a little boy's body, right? When he comes back in the Umbrella Academy. And the, the funny part that I connected to Lovecraft Country was when they're like, is this even possible? This sounds crazy, Hippolyta. Like, what are we trying to do? And she gets so frustrated. Like, I, you guys, like, literally, we don't have time to argue. Let's get this done. It reminded me so much of number five coming back. Like, you guys are so dumb. You have no idea. You're going to die. I'm the only one who can save you. <laughs> I just thought that was so, so the real thing here is people in the imagination of the show's creator, when they're coming back from points in time, I mean, if you think about it, if you had traveled all the way into 2040 and you could see everything, when you come back, you're going to be like, oh God, Sean, I should like, you guys, we really have to get on top of this right now. And I don't have patience for you in this moment because in 40 years, it's going to be a shit show. <laughs> so we got to get on it now. You know, like we have to eradicate white supremacy right now because in right. 40 years, we're going to, this is really going to be bad for us. <laughs> yeah. And I, I know we, neither of us have seen the show. I'm somewhat familiar with the, the Oh, okay. Darn. Okay. I gave some of it away, but. <laughs> right. No, it's okay. No, it's okay because I kind of gotten that inkling just, yeah, you went uh-huh. that about one of the characters, but right. I mean, you make, you make an excellent point that it's like some of them have i mean we're talking about a character who's evolved so far beyond She's yes like, bullshit. we got shit to do we got shit to right. do <laughs> exactly not the bullshit we got to stay right thoughts. exactly yeah. that part that part <laughs> and so now we get to ourselves to the point i love this scene this scene actually had me a little emotional too uh-huh we see they're in the park we see that oh attic we got montrose Montrose's friend, who ends up getting killed. His George, first boyfriend, really. His, well, yeah, I guess you would just say yeah. that for lack of a better term. His first love. His first love. There you go. Uh, mm-hmm. George and Dora show up. All the nasty white folks show up. It gets rough. It looks bad for our protagonists. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and Atticus even acknowledged that his whole life, Montrose had told him this story about they were like seconds away from getting killed, and some stranger comes up swinging like Jackie Robinson. And all of a sudden, when, when Atticus kicks the bat, he realizes he's the stranger. I mean, my God, just but to me, talking a little bit about the father and son stuff here earlier, that mm. scene mm. felt like a redemption. That right. scene felt like, I'm trying to find a way to describe this, so bear with me for a second. But it's sort of like when you get baptized in a way, you know, supposedly that cleanses you of your sins and you can go forward you know, from that point forward, being absolved of your sins. And to me, it felt a little bit like that. Like, it cleansed their relationship. Yes. It, it All of a sudden, it, Montrose realizes that the man he raised, the boy he raised, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, 
ended up being his savior. Obviously, that's not going to happen to any of us in reality, but ended up being his savior when he was a boy. And it, I think it cleansed their relationship in a way. I think it's going to allow mm-hmm. them to start fresh from this point. And I'm still holding to my theory that Montrose is not going to make it through this season because we oh, wow. have a breakthrough like this in a relationship. Somebody goes. Mm-hmm. That's that's just one of those things they do. Yeah, I agree. I think we might we might see the end of Montrose um, in episode ten. I think this is the moment of transformation in Tick's hero's journey. He has gone through, you know, if you think back to episode one where he said, you know, I love reading about characters that kind of go through this moment, this threshold where they have challenges and temptations and then they go through this sort of death and rebirth and they become this hero. And he he talks about the hero's journey. He describes it as sort of an outsider looking in, but then boom, he enters into this entire cycle himself episode two. And so now we're seeing him in the transformation moment of his journey as the hero. And, and we see him pick up the bat and he, he answers the call and he goes. And that in that moment becomes everything that his dad needed. And I think, yeah, like you said, Sean, this may be the end of Montrose coming forward for us. Did you guys notice that that same line that I got you, kid, was the one yes. that was in the very, very, very first episode. Movie. Yeah, that that's what took me on on the the journey, uh, Aisha, from the from the beginning to now. You know, I really started thinking about that because that's when the monster saved him. But it was really, it, it's kind of like you are the hero that you, you are, need, right. you know, like <laughs> you know, it's you, it's you, yeah. <laughs> we need to go back and watch that opening scene on the first episode because apparently that foreshadows Mm -hmm. everything in the season but at the time we saw it we wouldn't have understood any of the references and now because you made the reference i should that jackie robinson rolls up with the bat and i'm interested that part we need to go back and watch that and once the season's over and then see like oh this all makes perfect sense now (laughs) all makes perfect sense yes i remember Mm -hmm. some of it but i don't i mean there's some stuff that we haven't seen yet so i'm a little so let's wait, wait until the, the end. The season's over and then we watch that yeah. first 30 seconds and I bet you it'll be like, oh my Shit, gosh. Right. Yep. This all made perfect sense, but obviously you had no context. So that should be fun. <laughs> well, so, yeah, that should be real fun. So Letty's like, Letty, so she's got the book in hand. She, she acquires it from the, the house. And yes. From- Tick's great grandmother. What a what a horrific scene that was. That was oh, that was also that that was was darker. Very tough. Oh, it was rough. Very rough. But as she gets it, I mean, wow, I was just thinking to myself how this ended up happening with her having the spell on her so that she's like protected and everything about it. Mm-hmm. She was she was saved, really, and it was able to get all of this thing she was able to get the book of names basically mm-hmm. and um be and come off unscathed and and just that last scene of her walking through the street you know and it's just burning and and overhead the, the planes, planes are dropping firebombs i mean it's but let's not tough. take away from the fact that scene with the great grandmother well i mean it was dora's mm-hmm. grandmother but that scene First of all, quick shout out. Did anybody recognize that actress from Lean on Me 
way back in the day. Oh, yes. That's where he was from. Yes. Thank you. That Joe Clark had to go visit. I recommend it. I love that movie. It's one of my favorite Me too. Me too. too. Great shout out there. But that Mm -hmm. scene where they're holding hands and praying and she catches on fire and she basically, even before then, but when she accepts like, we're going to all die here, aren't we? That just tore me apart. Mm -hmm. Having to realize that this is it. Your life ends here. Like, you're, there's no tomorrow for you. Oh, I can't imagine what that must feel like, but that scene was incredible. And then, yeah, I mean, you know, she started burning and then Letty's just sitting there and standing there in the fire and just surrounding her. And then they back, they pan out of the house. And I just like, Oh my goodness, I need a moment. That was incredible. That, I mean, this, this show doesn't just win a slew of Emmys. I just don't mm-hmm. know what I'm thinking. <laughs> while, while they're burning, while they're burning in that whole, uh, the whole scene is going on. I looked it up. The spoken word poem, it's called Don't Kill Dub, a poem by Sonia Sanchez. Oh. And, yeah. So, yeah. Like, what I, are the I, words? Do you have it? I don't have the words. I have the actual recording. recording. You know, I shazammed, the, shazammed it while, I, while we were watching the show and it came up on, on Apple Music. So I just clicked on it and that was it. So, it's interesting. It's called Don't Kill Dub, a poem by Sonia Sanchez. So, oh, wow. Yeah. They are very interesting. I need to, we need to kind of look into those words, right? And just like look at the lyrics and get into what, what it really is saying. But that would probably be a whole nother conversation. Definitely. Well, I mean, I guess I'm super, at this point, it's episode nine. We're done with episode nine. That means there's only one left. Mm-hmm. What the actual hell will happen? One, one random thing that that came to to my attention when I was sort of scrolling through some of the Facebook groups that talk about Lovecraft. Um, shout out to the the noir Facebook group on Facebook. Um, there was this really cool comparison between Queen Hippolyta from the DC Wonder Woman series and Hippolyta in this show. And and so there's a theory now, like a fan theory that the Hippolyta in the show and their D like that relationship is, is pretty much the relationship between Hippolyta and Wonder Woman. And so I, I thought that was interesting. And uh, if we remember from the, sh- from the, the Wonder Woman comic, Hippolyta is the queen of the Amazons and with her having this ability and, and her having traveled to be an Amazon in one of the, um, in episode seven, we saw, um, I thought that was really cool. And that resonated for me with like D being her daughter and, and dealing with uh, this transformation she's going through. I don't know. What do you guys think of that? But that was, that was well, one of the random things that came to mind. D is short for Diana and Diana. Oh yes. That, exactly. Exactly. Wait. Oh Lord. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. Roll, roll back, people. Roll okay. Back. Diana and Hippolyta. <laughs> Hippolyta is Wonder Woman? No, Diana is Wonder Woman, and her mother, correct me if I'm wrong, actually, but I think her mother is Hippolyta, Queen of the Amazons. Yes. Yes. I know. Yeah, I didn't make that connection either. That was really, that's good. That's, that's very Eric. Like, I mean, what? That's cool, right? Like, what if yeah. Di- what if D is like this superhero who becomes a superhero later on? I don't know. I think that that would be a really great way for them to continue the show without the book. I think that's a that is an that is excellent cool. like way to do that because yeah. it's so so nuanced that uh-huh. 
you wouldn't know if they're not hitting you over the head with that. You wouldn't. I mean, who yeah, would know that? Right. It's very, very subtle. Yeah. So when I saw it come up, I was like, oh, we got to talk about this. We got to figure out, okay, wait, what are the connections? And, and Sean, I hadn't thought about, I, I knew that D was short for Diana, but yeah. thank you. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> that's her name. Yeah. Diana. Yeah. It's her name for sure. For sure. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's something I want to keep an eye out for. I think that'll be interting if they continue with that line of of reasoning and in the show if they if they're gonna go there as writers. Hey, for our next season, these the writers could do whatever the hell they want. They sure well, could. <laughs> they could. But they better step up their game because it's hell right. Season. Oh well, uh, we and we yeah. haven't even gotten to the last episode, y'all. So yeah, I um my head is spinning. I'll put it that way after yeah. episode nine. But at least your hair's not blue. Like my hair, oh oh my blue. gosh, her hair is blue. It reminded me of X Men. Anybody else? <laughs> Storm? No, it, not Storm. Was but it was Arithia Blue. That's who she was. That's who she. Became. So she ascended. Oh yes, her daughters. She became. Right. I mean, her. She, I think she was the inspiration for her daughter's comic, but then she became her daughter's comic. Wow, <laughs> that's um, true. I love that. I love that her hair turned blue. I, I just thought. I mean, it seemed a little kind of hitting us over the head with it a little, a little bit, cheesy. but a little cheesy. But I have a feeling there's more to it than that. And we're going to maybe see it this next episode, maybe next season. I don't know. I but, don't know. I'm excited. I want to walk around in those 1950s with some blue hair. I want to see how, what's going to happen with this. Uh, I don't <laughs> think she's going to stay in the 50s very long. Let me tell you about that. Uh, all right. In no. the 1950s very long, I don't think. But, I don't think so. Not with, that, not with that power. I don't think so. Not with that power. I wouldn't. Sure. You know, they can go, there's a lot, I mean, obviously after, let's, let's see our last episode. Gosh, there's so many ways that this show can take off to a different air, different mm-hmm. way. You know what I mean? Like there's mm-hmm. so many theories that we could come up with and figure out how is this going to move on? How are they going to continue this story? Right. Right. Wow. That's very interesting. We shall see. I'm excited to see what happens next. I am too. Yeah. This is going to be great. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we got one more episode. I can't even talk. We have episode left. And you have anything else to say, Sean? Uh, no, I think I said all I can say. I'm just looking forward. I can't wait to see episode 10. It's just going to be, I think it's just going to be off the chain and off the rails. I'm, I'm excited to see it. I can't wait to see it. We ready. We ready. It better be more we ready. That's yeah. all I got to say. But I really needed to, I needed to, I needed to drive everything home for me. I needed to be leading us into season two. I really do need it to lead us into because yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping that we get another season of, of Lovecraft I Country. I think we will. I oh. think I, I, we have to. <laughs> yeah, I'd be shocked if it did. Let's just say, oh, man. all of our listeners, viewers, whoever stumbles upon this, please go yes. up, you know, um, like like the show, write into the show, follow it, hashtag it on HBO, whatever you got to do to make sure that they know that they have a following because the following is serious. It really it is. is. And I think right now, especially right now with our news cycle, it being an election year with this election yeah. coming up, this is the bright light that we need as black folks and as a nation to really just get us through. <laughs> Honestly, like it's it's helping us in so many ways to really feel uh, good feelings going into this this election season. <laughs> Heck yeah, open up those conversations. Yes, absolutely. And this is not only a show. Let me let me also say this. I've noticed this, and I looked at this on Facebook, and I saw it. This is not just a show for Black people. It is not. It's a show it is for not. Everybody. It and, is. I mean, um, I saw something flash by me on one of the groups that said uh, it's come to their attention that it's like this is not just a Black show. 
for black people. Now, black shows, yeah, black people tend to watch black shows mm-hmm. with characters that are all, since the entire cast is black, but it's for everybody. And I encourage everybody to watch this show if you haven't already. And you're just, you just stumbled on this episode with us and you're like, what is this show they're talking about? At this point, if you're stumbling on this and you're looking, you know what? Back it up. Go back to episode one and get into it because you will love it. You will love it. Well said. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, we will see you guys very shortly for our last episode of season one. Thank you for joining me, Sean. Yep. Thank you, Ashley. Glad to be here. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Don't miss it. I'm Aisha with Pod Clubhouse. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.